Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Of his was Bond's brief when I presumably he was being given like some papers by Rory Kinnear was right, right, 007, you've got to find a grieving woman, give her a shagging immediately after the funeral. What at what point was that part of the Well, it wasn't. This is all M, isn't it? This is all of course. M's. He's he's technically it's Dench, yes, he's supposed to be right. at his home at home in his flat, isn't he? Yes. I, but I, he's I, driven to Rome. I just don't yeah. It's 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 a it's a weird little scene. It's got a great performance in there, mm. but we don't you know, I think we just need a little bit more from it. It's interesting, actually, that, uh, you know, I remember watching the first time when he says, oh, I've got a friend, Felix. I'm like, oh, good, yeah. Felix Leiter's yeah, going to turn up. Yeah. And doesn't. No. And I thought, don't do that to me. I mm. love Felix Leiter. Yeah. He's such a good character. And nearly every actor who's played him has been fun. Yeah. Uh, my my favourite Felix is the one playing him at the moment, though. He's very good, isn't he? He's great. Jeffrey Wright, I love him. But um, really suits the part, really gravelly annoyed yeah. Felix I like it Palmy quite likes uh, the, the sort of old uncle version you get in Goldfinger oh yeah around his love going oh hello Bond well uh, and just, uh, yeah. if he goes for a gentle jog he'd have to stock it oh sorry could you God, give me a few more seconds I quite like that Felix. I like David Hedison as well I mean that's, there's only a, I mean the guy in Living Daylights is fairly anonymous John Terry but, yeah, not yes yeah. Um, but he was Hawk the Slayer David so he gets her idea yeah. No, he gets right. All the feats is good. I, you want him to sharpen this, and yet mm. we we don't. We, uh, he goes on. He goes. He goes. Does he go? He goes uh, to the Spectre meeting. Oh yeah, with the with the doorman who says, "Identify yourself, asshole." I think, mm. do, do you think he says that to everyone? I think comes he does. To, did he say it to Blofeld on the way in? I bet he wouldn't say that to Dave Lee Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought of Dave Lee Travis. But... <laughs> He's probably there. He could be. Probably is. All the evil people are there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he says, and he shows him the spectre ring. Yeah, and doesn't he say, uh, "My name's Mickey Mouse"? Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, my name's Mickey Mouse, and Dorman presumably, if you follow Dorman, go, well, you're you're clearly fucking about, don't you? Yeah. Don't waste my time, asshole. Yeah. Asshole. But you know, it would be great. If, I mean, and again, I mean, this is the film I'd like to direct. Is that rather than like Blofeld later on the scene, sort of just sort of getting this strange intuition that Bond is somewhere up in their corner. What I want to see is Mickey Mouse coming in. Sorry, I'm late, everyone. And, then, and everyone looks and goes, what? 
And he looks at the other, but he said he's Mickey Mouse. Oh my God, which one's which? <laughs> Bond just rips his ears off and <laughs> ties through a window. Go get him, guys, go get him. <laughs> oh, I'm really sorry about this. Oh God. This is just an excuse for you to do a Mickey Mouse impression. It was, it was a, a pitiful, pitiful. I yeah. enjoyed it. Well, I, um, but then we get the most boring fucking, oh, of yeah. basically like a corporate board meeting. Yeah. With no excitement in it. There's um, no, I, there, there's weird, again, it's, it's as much as I know people have said, oh, we can't redo really the Spectre boardroom stuff again because of Austin Powers. I go, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You commit to it. You mm. just go, yeah, people taking the piss out of it in the past. We're going to get around that by being awesome. And you some cool characters and interesting stuff going on. God, that scene in Thunderball is still brilliant. It is. Uh, with uh, just just the way it's executed with, pardon the pun, but when the guy's electrocuted and yeah. uh, Largo just gives that withering look and you get the glow yes. in his face. It's just it's super. Uh, everything you need to know about the organisation is in that yeah. moment. And in this, you've just got this giant room with too many people in it. Yeah. I hate any scene, and it's in Rise of the Skywalker as well, where you have things going on and there's like hundreds of people just standing watching. Yes. Why? That's not a meeting. No, it, it, it's you know what if if this is a meeting, what are those people up in the balconies doing? Yeah, like exactly. And also, if we, if this is if this is tied to C and people like C, yeah, you'd think there'd be a handful of people and just lots of cameras. Yes. So they could all watch a secret broadcast of it, rather than well, having hundreds of people in the room. It's a weird. You're decision. right, actually. In a film which is all about surveillance, you think yeah. why are you not, you know, why are you not setting up an evil Zoom meeting? Why are you meeting up like that? Or if you're going to, you know, why don't we have? Um, why is Blofeld? I mean, it is cool that Blofeld's there in a way, but he could be represented on the screen. Doesn't need to be there at all. Uh, Andrew Scott could be represented mm. somewhere, and they go, oh, we get a sense of, oh, there's, there's a, you know, somebody evil in the organisation. There's a bit more we can do here. Yeah. He said. Blofeld, and I'm not sure if this is meant to make him intimidating or not, but when he comes in, he sits there and he calls a guy over. Yeah. Seemingly, the first, the only thing he says to him is, sorry, can you just move that mic a bit closer? Yeah. yeah. And the guy, oh, yeah, sure, just pushes it closer to, to Blofeld and he goes, oh, carry on, everyone. I mean, that, that just makes you look petty. Lean over and do it yourself, mate. Right there. And then Mr. Hinks, who's played by Dave Batista, probably one of the most charismatic and fun big action dudes. And yet. Has uh, no lines in this. Yeah, I mean, I expect I was watching and thinking, I looked at his sort of, I've, I've not seen uh, the other films he's been in, but you know, I saw a, a good thorough list. And I thought, I bet there's a man who can put one word in, in front of another. You know, it's 90% of the way there. Why aren't we uh, allowing to do it here? He has one word in the whole damn film. The word shit? It, it is, uh, again, this sort of like, they're trying to do the fundable thing, as you said, you know, with that guy who, who gets killed in front of everyone. But oh. they're in fundable. It feels like it means something. Here, they sort of state your credentials. And he murders somebody in front of everyone. I, if I had been Blofeld, I'd be going, mate, could you not? Yeah. You're trying to have a meeting. We, we just wanted you to give us a form. Just what? just have him dragged out of the room or something. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just all really strange decisions for this entire sequence. It's always bothered me. It's, and it's, I think it's also, yeah, you're, the, the thing that worked in the Thunderbolts when, when Largo sort of just, you know, looks like, oh. mm. whereas in here, everyone looks a bit squeamish. Yes. Everyone's, everyone looks terrified. And surely if you were all in the same organisation and doing the same job, you'd be... Not terrified. You'd all yeah. have the same, you know. You'd all have the same um, emotional reaction to what's going on. It's just yes. really weird. And then when Blofeld just says, "James, I know you're here," <laughs> and then says "Cuckoo," which is Cuckoo. really annoying. And then that bouncer turns up again and says, "Hi, Mickey Mouse." <laughs> and then we get this really soulless, again, ridiculously soulless and uninteresting car chase yeah. through Rome, which, by the way, is completely devoid of any people. 
Apart yes. from one old man who obviously cleans it at night. Of course, yes, an old man singing opera in his car. Yeah. Who steps straight out of like Diamonds Are Forever or something. Yeah, but apart, I mean, you'd want people going, oh, fuck, you know, getting out of the way. Yeah, and... yeah. but no. to, or, or saying, oh, no, my car. Yeah. For you to a kill. Or a, or a guy coming out with a plate of spaghetti and then dropping it when he sees everyone go, you know. A, a, a guy looking at it at a bottle of wine mm. and then sort of looking onwards. We want that. We want that. But you're right, it's totally empty. And it's, it's a chase scene which is so relative, you know, fairly... It's well shot. It's competently yeah. shot, but it's so unexciting that Bond can have a very calm discussion halfway through. Yes, and you can't have that in a chase scene. No, like not all all the the exposition. You know, we could leave till afterwards. You just find another interesting way of doing it. You know, have him lurking around on the streets or something and talking to Money Penny. I don't know, but putting it halfway through the chat and and delivering it so calmly. It's not just going, Money Penny. I need the information now. It's oh, Money Penny. When you've got a moment, could you just fax yeah. that over to me? Tell me who I'm meant to be And he gets next. to use a couple of the gadgets in the car, and there's a terrible yeah. joke about atmosphere, which is... Oh, I, lo- I love that. You like that? I did. I laughed. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to take the gags where I can. Oh, what I liked was, was uh, Daniel Craig going, no. Yeah, that is quite funny. Actually. In that mewling sort of way. Mm. I quite like, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, but also, it, there's a moment there that you could possibly build on, where he phones Moneypenny, and, and it's made clear that she's got a man in her house. She has. Wouldn't it have been interesting if it was C... <laughs> that would there'd be something there wouldn't it yeah it'd be, it would mean that he's getting information from her he's, yeah maybe he's got her phone tapped or something yeah. I, know, I know bond gives her a burner but yeah. he could maybe have tapped that and he could be ahead of the game what if, what, um, what if it was c and m mm, oh or c and a c yes <laughs> one joke for the kids there <laughs> <laughs> she's sleeping with a shop <laughs> that's i mean that would be a twist oh, wow Bloody hell. Um, but again, it's that sort of, I'm going to talk to Moneypenny and she's at home. And that bit's quite hmm. fun in a way. But then we keep, again, it's that kind of, yep, we're seeing the old characters and the old gang. We can leave them behind and let the film move on. But There is a we, good moment, though, when he dumps the car in the river and yeah. parachutes out. And he's a very Bond moment. And he just lands, undoes the parachute and walks off with that guy yeah. watching. That's good. It's good. More flourishes like that. That's exactly. Very, that's the fun. Mm. You know, if it's something like, you know, the spectral, you know, we've had that spectral organization meeting, which is trying so hard to be shadowy and mysterious, but mystery doesn't work unless you're invested in characters. And there are no characters around that table that we can get no. or understand. No, no one that we know from an earlier film, no one that we can get their thing now. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I, I saw some re- a review somewhere that pointed out that in this and Skyfall, we only ever see villains when yeah. Bond is present. We never yeah. get to see scenes of the villain being themselves elsewhere where we can spot build on, up suspense. Spot on, yeah. You get that in Quantum of Solace as well, but no, yeah. you have to nothing. And it just means that everyone's faceless. Like, mm. you know, I'm glad we have Hinks. He doesn't get much to do, but at no. least... It, I think it's, isn't the first Craig film to even bother to have a, a henchman. Yeah. Um. It, it's like, again, we're slightly embarrassed to try and have one, but we ought to put one in there. No, don't. Bond, you know, I think the atmosphere gag is quite fun. I think the guy singing opera in the car, that's fun. Him landing off the parachute. More of that. Let's make this a rollicking adventure of Bond trying to take down the most evil society in the world. I'm up for that if you want to give that to me. It's like I keep saying there's tiny little germs in here that just need to have been expanded slightly, but... Well, it's, it's like I think next we move into like Andrew Scott giving a presentation. Well, we to... also found out in the car for Money Penny that the Pale King is Mr. White. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's all linked, David. It is certainly all linked. And I thought, yeah, when Bond goes, Mr. Of course, Mr. White. Mm. Don't don't pretend you remember him. I don't. Mm. Come on. 
you know, we, we shouldn't try to remember this random, a, a tertiary character at best from those earlier films. Yeah. It is odd. It, I mean, as much as the Mr. White sequence in itself is okay, in terms of the, the pacing, it really just bogs the film down. We it's need awful. to get moving. <clears throat> I don't know. Like why doesn't Money Penny say it was Mr. White? Don't know where he is, but we know where his daughter is. And he goes, all right, he can go straight to her. Go or have st- saying Mr. White, he was found dead. Yes, you know, and but his daughter is there. She might know something. Brilliant. Oh, oh. That would and, and just cut out in the middle. We, and mm. I know why they've done it, but it's we, we've we've had too many scenes where he goes to a place and all he learns is the next place he needs to go to. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, you know, loads of Bond films have that as a structure, but in those, it's always just you know. Let's be honest. The plot is the excuse. It, it's the glue to link up all the set pieces. Yeah. There aren't really good set pieces here. No. So we might as well get on with the story. We don't need to go and see Mr. White. Really, we could get on and see his daughter straight off because all he does is say, "Oh, I don't know anything, but my daughter might." And you go, "Let's just let's keep moving. Let's let's have a real sense of pace to this and some real energy." And it's it's odd that it doesn't. I'm not sure if that's just because the script has gone through too many rewrites, or they've shot too much footage and it's too expensive. It all feels very last minute, though, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, it's weird. And they they brought in like you know, Jess Butterworth. I think is is, he's credited. He he did a sort of a punch up like Phoebe Waller Bridge is doing the next one. He's very acclaimed. Really big acclaimed playwright, and I think I, I I couldn't tell you where his his work has has gone in this because the dialogue is very leaden. Yeah, and that's a you know, and it's, it's a bit of a shame. And, and as I'm, I'm afraid, it's a tradition with a lot of Craig films, there's a massive third act problem. Very. Oh, yeah. it, uh, I'm sure. As I say, I mean, it, yeah, we get to the point where the film feels like it's ended, and in Quantum of Souls' case, it does suddenly end mm-hmm. rather abruptly. Mm. And you think, okay, oh fuck, we need to have another half an hour, which isn't quite linked. Yeah. The film we've had already. Yeah. Um, and again, all the problems are here early on. I think, like you see, is kind of he's kind of Stephen Burkhoff's character from Octopus, isn't he? Yeah. Kind of like he's not the important villain, but he's kind of giving motivation. Yeah. I mean, as a side note, Stephen Burkhoff in Octopus, he is one of my favourite Bond villains. Oh really? Not, not because he's particularly good. I just find him very funny. He is stomping very funny. around. The West know. is decadent, it's decadent and divided. Mm. <laughs> I think he's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, a useless, useless villain, mm. but. If you're going to do that kind of character, well, go on, you know, give give it a bit more, give it a bit more, um, rather than the scene of uh, we're going to talk to lots of delegates and M, M, M is able to look over the shoulders of the South African delegate to see how they're voting. Is yeah, that allowed? I don't why think the, so. Why are the seats arranged like that? The people yeah. can see how other people are voting. But they all they all say no to the Nine Eyes program, don't yeah. they? And this is where uh, we see a newspaper headline saying that the, an Aston Martin was found in the river in Italy. Yeah. And then he gets he rings Q and says, "Where's Bond?" And Q has to lie and say he's in Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, a nice little moment, you know. I yeah. like Q being his friend. It sort of uh, harks back to all those films, like um, you know, the the other film I remember, you know, Licence to License Kill. To yeah. Kill there's yeah. another one, very serious film and an excellent film. We both mm. know that's an excellent yeah. film. Yeah. And then it's a very serious film. And it thinks we need a bit of fun. There's no reason to fly Q out there, but we're going to do it anyway. And you go, yeah, because we want to see him. Yeah. And that kind of works. I think it can work if you're going to really play into it. But um, yeah, it, 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 these little moments and like M mewling about, oh, there's democracy for you. You go, who, who, are we on your side, M? Do you, you seem to not like the democratic system. I know it hasn't worked out in a particular way that you want, but really? So Bond goes to see the Pale King, Mr. White. Yeah, and we get okay. told that um, he's been given thallium, so he's slowly dying. He is, and he <clears throat> he, he delivers this line of dialogue, which I had to write down because <laughs> it's um, he's everywhere. He's sitting <laughs> at your desk. He's kissing your lover. 
He's eating supper with your family. He's playing with your Lego. He's licking all the chocolates. It sounds like he's talking about James Corden. Yes, it could be. Yeah, maybe it is. It's such a horrible bit of dialogue. I hate it so much. Maybe, maybe he's gone mad. Maybe he is. He's watching all that television down there. Mm. Maybe, maybe he is. Maybe what if the rest of the film was Bond being sent on a total goose chase to track down James Corden? But he also says that Bond is like a, a kite and a dancing in a hurricane. Sorry, which everyone thought he said cunt. I did. Yeah. I wrote that down when I first mm. saw the trailer. So you're a cunt dancing in a hurricane. I thought, well, fair enough. Yeah. What Bond to say? Well, there's no need for that. No, you can't. Well, there's no need for that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've noticed when Bond find, you know, sees him and he sees Mr. White you know, downstairs in the cellar and he's hooked up to a drip and yeah. Bond says, upstairs, Mr. White. I thought, yeah. oh, we haven't seen the scene where like, Mr. White points out and he's like, trying to drag this drip upstairs as well and presumably eventually just gives up. It'd be better if he was Mr. R. White and he was like, I'm a secret lemonade drinker <laughs> and he's got lemonade in a drip. Well, then there's a reason for the scene to exist. Yeah. But presently, we, we, we don't need... Just yeah, you know, to sit there and go, oh, he's everywhere, he's everywhere. Please let me shoot myself. And he does. And the, and the music kind of makes again. It wants to be shocking, but the music is telling you, oh, something shocking is going to happen. Mm. And so, so rather than it creeping up and you're being, it, it just you go, yeah, go on, come on, guns there. But it turns oh. out he's got a daughter who he basically says to Bond, uh, you, "If you protect her, I'll tell you what's going on." Yeah. Uh, and uh, so. Uh, Yes, it's. Uh, I mean, again, we could have gone straight to see her anyway, and so uh, I've seen. Um, Instead, we, we don't. We've gone here. We've, I think we have yet another scene of M and Andrew Scott. We do, because Andrew Scott says to M, um, you know, basically, do you know what's going on with your people? Because look, yeah, um, and I think he plays him money in his call. Yes, to Bond, he does, yeah, and uh, which is embarrassing. And then he says yeah. that we watch everybody. Yeah. But M, M lectures him on um, how you have to be sure before you pull the trigger. Yeah. Which isn't interesting. Uh, I, I liked um, when I think Andrew Scott says, like, one man in the field can't compare to all this. Mm. And he sort of gestures, and I thought he was gesturing at a mug full of pencils. <laughs> I thought, well, that's not very pr- sure. If you, if you threw them hard enough, though, Dave. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is like, you know, oh, you know, this is the moment where, you know, say, he goes, oh, look, we've noticed that Bond is doing something naughty. And you go... Mm. If you rewritten the plot so that you know he'd done something massive and you deliberately led him there to do it, this would be very exciting. As it is, it's just oh look, he's, he's disobeying you. It's not, not, it's not quite exciting enough. No, but Bond goes to see uh, Madeline Swan. Madeline Swan at the health facility. White Swan. White Swan. Uh, uh, and tells her that her dad's dead, effectively, whilst she's trying to give him a um, psychoanalytic thing. It's a it's a good scene. Mm. I think it's a really good scene. It it happens about half an hour later than it should. Yes. Like we need to bring for a character who's meant to be so important to him later on. Yeah. We need her to be in it from the beginning. Really. We do. We do. Uh, and as you said, we need some things to happen without Bond being there. Yes. Um, there's I think not we, enough of that. I I think you know even trying to get the plot. I thought if like if the beginning if the first mission of like the film was Bond had been sent off to try and track down Madeline Swan like, mm. from the off, mm. and in the course of doing that, like she'd maybe been told that he was a villain trying to get this. You know, if in the course of trying to get her, something major happens, and you know, all the footage is there and he's framed for it, you then got a way of the plots of involving C M Blofeld destroying Bond's past. Madeline's in there as well all in one go and it would it would give you as it, it feels like the, the film has got like eight things it wants to do and rather than finding a way of gelling them together into maybe three three things that do them all at the same time 
It says, no, we're going to do each of these things, one after the other, mm. very slowly. Nothing will impact upon anything else. And that's what's robbing us of pace. Like it's a love, it's a great scene between them. The, the tension there, the dialogue—it's a really good scene. It is something like the third or the fourth scene in a row that's like that, though. Yeah. And that's a <clears throat> but he, he meets Q at this clinic, oh, and yes. Q orders a prolytic digestive enzyme shake. He does. Uh, which Bond tells him to flush down the toilet. Cut yeah. out the middleman. He Cut says. Cut the middleman. It's a gag that nearly works, mm. but it it doesn't, does it? It doesn't. No. It doesn't land. It needs punching up. It, it it's in the way it's delivered and the way it's written. It, it the only thing it reminds me of is is Sean Connery's you know Beatles and earmuffs gag yeah. and Goldfinger. It yeah. sounds like a crabby old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know Q being there and uh, you know and. Like when Q gets jetted all around the world in the in Roger Moore films or or, or License to Kill or whatever, hmm. I'm glad and I see him and you don't question it. You know it's ridiculous. There's no reason why like Q should turn up somewhere dressed as a priest. Yeah. But we love it. Yeah. In a film that wants to take itself so seriously, you notice when Q for no reason at all, you know, given that he's presumably being tracked as well, flies out to this health facility. If you don't need to be here, why are you doing it? Yeah. Surely M will find out. Yeah. That you've done this. Mm-hmm. And these sort of problems, which wouldn't be a problem in a different sort of tonal film, they do become a bit of a problem here. I really like seeing Q there. I I, I really like um, Ben Whishaw's yeah. Q. Yeah. Um, but it, it it's it, it, yeah, it's a sequence we don't quite need. No, but Madeline's kidnapped by Mr. Hinks and everybody. Yes. So this is when you get Bond chasing them with the airplane, which is I think is a great sequence. But yeah. as we mentioned before, it's completely underscored and not very exciting. Yeah. It reminds me of um, the of the Living Daylights because that's got a similar kind of yeah. like, sequence in the snow and like Salt going through buildings. But uh, if I recall, that does have very exciting music underneath. It, it. does. I'm not sure if it's the Bond theme, but it's certainly exciting. It's got. Oh yes. Yeah. I think it's, it's "Where Has Everybody Gone" by the Pretenders. I think. I mean, I mean, it's maybe unfair to compare it to the. I think the Living Daylight soundtrack is possibly the best. Yeah, John Barry's soundtrack. last. It's fantastic. Mm. Such a good soundtrack. It is. What? What a. I mean, what a film. Yeah. But you know, it reminds you of that, and it's good. You go, okay, fine. This is a good sequence. He would almost certainly have killed Madeline Swan doing all this. <laughs> oh yeah, without a doubt. But but fine. Um, I, I've noticed though that, uh, that that Hinks hasn't really done anything particularly cool except no. killing somebody on his own side at the beginning of the film. Yeah. He's now been in two car chases where he's been faintly anonymous because anyone is when they're behind a wheel, really. Yeah. He hasn't, and you know, we need more from him. We, we do need to see a little bit, something a bit more exciting from from our from our sort of evil henchman who's like chasing Bond around the world. I don't know. It, it's um, I. I I think another reason I'm not quite sure about this sequence is that you know if we were focused purely on a really exciting chase, brilliant. But we keep cutting to Q, yeah. Like like looking at his presentation, realizing, oh god, all these previous villains are friends and oh, know each and other. And he gets chased by a baddie, kind of. Yeah. Followed, I should say, not chased. Who, who let him go very easily? Yeah. Really. And so well, he, Bond takes Swan to see Q, and that's where Q reveals that the ring he analysed it and it contained yeah. the DNA. What the hell have they been doing with those rings? I don't know. Because DNA it contains the DNA them. of all the baddies that have ever <laughs> been in Craig films. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I mean, for fuck's sake. What do you? Th- I mean, like, what do you think of, of this? I mean, the, the whole sort of oh, all these villains from the previous films, even though they clearly didn't know each other, were actually all friends somehow. Kind of. I hate it. it. Yeah. Yeah, it, I really hate it. I think it could. 
I think there are circumstances upon which it could work, mm. but I don't know. I, I, it, it's it's tricky. I, I, I think again, it, it's a sort of um, the, the spectre organization when we see it. It shouldn't be a bunch of people, like shadowy people who can barely see. It should be a bunch of genuine characters and eccentrics and interesting people. Mm. And we should have seen more of them. We should see more of them. I mean, in a way, this film, you know, a structure of this film could literally just be. Sort of like the Kill Bill films, Bond trying to track down the person in charge of Spectre by going through a lot of other kind of high up agents. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, it's very loose, but it's a it's it would be fun. It'd be quite interesting. But this kind of we can't be bothered to put the groundwork in this film, hmm. so we're just going to tell you the stuff we did the three previous films is kind of that. Yeah, no, we don't feel that. There's no emotional resonance. You might no. go, oh, that's a bit clever at best. But you won't feel anything. No. It's nothing particularly saying, oh no, have you had Bardem in the previous film, even though he didn't seem to have any relevance to anything except his own story, which mm-hmm. was really good. Turns out, actually, he was part of Spectre. No, he wasn't. No. He... Don't do this. Come on. Do put the work in in this film. Give us yeah. something great in the first half. My name's Jason Fleming. The More Than My Past podcast will see me talking to a wide range of inspiring people. People who have confronted and overcome addiction or imprisonment or both and turned their lives around. I did mad things that was hurting myself and hurting other people. Everybody grows up in a house called normal. Heroin addiction and chaos was my normal. Some people don't understand the word moderation and uh, I was definitely one of those people. The More Than My Past podcast. Then he gets. Is this when they find? Um, they go to Tangier to they find. They find out that Le Marquin is a, actually a, a place, not a person. 
Yes, couldn't Money Penny have looked that up on our laptop? Apparently early? not. No, or, no. or Spectre, indeed. Couldn't they? Surely it's not beyond Spectre to like check a TripAdvisor page. Yes, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but they go to this room, which I think we're trying to say that Mr. White brought her to all the time when he was young. Yes. I don't know. And it uh, turns it was, out it, there's a secret room. Yes, there with is. A, with uh, a computer that she looks like an antique, but it still works perfectly. Yeah, Bond punching a... a I like Bond punching the fake wall. I, I would have really laughed if it had been a real one. Yes. And he just went, oh, oh, are you all right? Yeah, yeah I'm fine. I'm fine. But I mean, <laughs> presumably other people, you know, there must be a, a door there that other people, other people have used it. There's not just a, re- why, did, why does he tap it first? Yeah. D- safety. I like the bit with the mouse mm. where he's drunkenly saying, who sent you to the mouse? I remember yeah. in the cinema, everyone laughed at that. Yeah, that it was is funny, a good moment. And it was a bit different. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I'm not entirely sure about all the sort of the weird romancing with Madeline. It feels quite forced. It feels very forced. We don't. We haven't had enough scenes of them together, so we've got no. to quickly jolt it on now. Uh, and then she finds the VHS tapes neatly labelled like Vespa Lind interrogation. Mm. Um, I'm glad he's got you know the grandstand repeats. Nice little <laughs> nice little Carry on, Columbus. You know, you're just going through all the, the tapes. day the clown cried. <laughs> Bloody hell, he's got that. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to keep that. Just, again, it's just another scene of Bond goes to a place and he finds out a name yeah. and he goes somewhere else. and he goes, oh. Yeah, and then... the Meanwhile, uh, there's been a, a terrorist attack in South Africa. There has. So the Nine Eyes programme has been officially approved. Yes. If anyone could possibly care at this point. Yeah. Uh, so... Yes. Yeah. Let's say so. Bond, Bond, and Madeline then get on a train. Yes, we've populated got, um, by nobody. With no one. Yes, it, oh. you're right. The the double O pro. They really want the kind of nine eyes thing to be exciting. But mm. when it's literally again, if you have a, a film which builds up to the with like Bond is framed for something he didn't do, and that results in this happening, that's mm. exciting. When the nine eyes project happens, because M was an hour late to a meeting because it got shifted forwards. Oh God, yes, that's right. That if you're writing that script, you're filming it. You've got to stop and go. Wait, this, this is a this is not like this is a Bond film. Mm. These sorts of like reasons, these sorts of things happening should be because of a very exciting or or emotionally driven reason. Yes, it shouldn't just be that. Why stop cutting to this? And then, as you say, we, then we go on on the train with all our kind of deeply serious, low, sexy voices, and we kept a nine millimeter under the sink with the bleach. Yeah, I know. What? What do you? doing stop talk normally for god's sake i know sake. i know it's just endless isn't it endless it's it, it's just it, it, all it does it reminds you of like those similar scenes in casino royale which were yeah, really good really well written as well brilliant and these ones feel very it's, it's an empty train it's very forced it, why don't we have you know and then you know i, I believe just is this hinks just hinks up turn up suddenly out of nowhere yeah they dress up nice for dinner Yes, uh, and also in between that, Q and Money Penny go to him and say, "Look, we know where Bond is. We should help him." And he says, "We can't because they're shutting the Double O program down." Yeah, meet, meeting in what looks like a public restaurant. Does, yeah. does he have? Does he have no other staff? Like, Guess not. Where, where's Double O Eight and Double O Nine and all the others? It's like, like he's a teacher from Grange Hill, and they're saying, "Sir, <laughs> sir, they're going to close the disco down." <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, Mrs. McCluskey has made a decision. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> There's nothing. It, it, it it's so weird. It's again. Yeah. Why doesn't, you know, if we really need to do this, then get the double O's out and, like, do some espionage. Yeah. It's not just, let's get all the administrative team together to have a bit of a think. The fucking groovy gang. 
Yeah, I, I don't quite... Yeah, we, we don't need... We should be focused on moving the story forward. Instead, we keep getting dragged to this Nine Eyes thing, which isn't really going anywhere. It's only exciting. <sighs> so, yeah, this is when uh, Mr. Hinks attacks Bond, which is yeah. a great sequence. Yes, it is. But there's no music. No. And there's nobody on the train. No, there's a bit... I, I noticed very briefly um, when they go into like the bit of the bar. I think there's a bartender and two people waiting. And yeah. then one or two shots are there and suddenly they're gone again. Disappear. The only direction they could possibly go is back into that room for the crates. But they're not there. So I can only assume they flung themselves off the train I in guess here. So. Or were taken up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Joel Morris always says, and, and since he's pointed this out, I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. You want like a chef to come out of the kitchen and be, with a frying pan going, hey, you know, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> yes. Or like, you know, a, a, the fire to happen on the cooker and the chef be like, oh, fuck. Yeah, something. I, I quite like that Daniel, a lot of the things that, you know, Bond is doing to try and beat up don't work. And he mm. does like a bit where he, he jumps up and then flings himself into a table by mistake. Yeah. That's, quite fun that's fun but there's no music no and there's nobody to react to it and i think a lot of bond is about normal people reacting to extraordinary situations it really is because that that's the thing that lets you know that the film is in on the joke yeah and i think that's when you can do outlandish you're actually right when you can do outlandish things but other people there going oh my god that's outlandish you go yeah. yes it is when they're not there we don't know what tone what's the tone of this what, exactly. what level uh, he doesn't even use. Does, is there a bit? I, I don't think. I'm not even sure if there is. I, I, if there was, I, I didn't see it. Where, uh, where, where Hinks sort of tries to use his thumbs to, to kill Bond or. I don't think he in. does. I don't think he does. That's such a weird thing to introduce early yes. on and not do anything with. Yeah. It's like um, the, the peril in. I'm going back to a better film now. Yeah. Temple of Dune, when Molaram tries to take Indy's heart out at the end. Mm. And you've seen him do it and you think, oh, fuck, he's going to rip out Indiana Jones's heart. You've yeah. got a similar thing here where you could literally crush your head in through your eyes. Yes. And he doesn't use it again. It's not quite, you know, he's trying to hark back to like, obviously like Jaws and Odd Jaws, mm. but even like Red Grant. That's an exciting fight in yeah. one room. It is. This is, it's harking at that, but I don't, again, I'm not sure if it wants to be but the, serious or comic. No. And the Red Grant sequence works because they, they, as soon as they start firing, they knock out the lights. So you get this, the train, yeah. the train going through tunnels and stuff just, escalates the tension because you can't see, really see what's happening and but here it's beautifully well lit and there's no yeah. one around and it's just weird and, and importantly there's it's the thing of the, the villains not being seen often enough that the yeah. there's, a, there's a relationship with Red Grant I mean he's mm. been there throughout the film but you know yeah. broadly an entire relationship and tension is mapped out in about one or two conversations very yeah. close together but yeah. you buy it it's really good Hinks has never spoken to I mean, he doesn't speak but he's never met Bond really no they haven't there's no relationship to, to work off Hinks isn't interesting enough as a character for, for him to be this of menacing but he's, he's just muscle there isn't enough of a relationship going on because we're never allowed to see the villains being anything other than a villain to quickly pop up try to kill Bond fail disappear we don't get to see them plotting or doing something we don't get we don't get a, you know a lovely scene of a villain being told Bond's done something up you know Bond's been doing this and you know the villain brings up some henchman goes go go and deal with him make sure some harm comes to him we don't get any of that kind of stuff that we really like no and also as it comes to play out later that why is Hinks trying to kill Bond because that makes yeah. no sense of what's yes. coming up in a minute yes because uh, Blofeld seems you know jolly happy that Bond's managed to find him mm. suddenly but they kill Hinks then they shag yeah. Yes. Then the next day they arrive at a train station. And yeah. this, again, is another germ mm. from another Bond film that I quite it like, is. where the Rolls Royce just turns up out of nowhere. Really good. It's it's the North by Northwest moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like Cary Grant standing on the road watching cars. And it, and 
that sequence is so incredibly tense because we understand why he's there, what the villains are going to do, what the stakes are. Mm. I don't really know why Bond and Swan are standing in the middle of a desert no. waiting for a car to pick them up. No. Uh, have they been told? I can't remember. I'm not sure if I've missed it. Have they been told they're going to be picked? It has a villain basically said, we're going to pick you up in a car. No, no, no. I think they just get off the train and then this Rolls Royce turns up and basically says, do you want to, yeah. do you want to come with me? Yeah. So uh, they I, do. I'm, and yeah. they get to this compound and they're, they're, they're greeted by a fellow that looks like that guy from Cambridge Analytica, the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and Jimmy Carr is the butler by the looks of it. Yes, coming up, I like me, you know, presumably coming up with the plate and I just thought, you know, guys of gestures to Bond you know, the butler and I thought Bond's going sorry like takes out a fiver and like, puts it on the tray and there you go yeah, and then they've basically done this thing where they go meet Blofeld and it f- kind of feels like we need another silver scene yes. you know when silver comes out and talks about the rats in the barrel yeah. so we'll put this meteor as like a, a, a conversation piece Yeah. and he'll do a thing about meteors and how that kind of works with uh, the biggest thing about Blofeld and how, why I think he's so horribly evil in this film is mm. that he doesn't wear socks he doesn't, does he? It really bothers me. What? Who's your um, Who's your favourite Blofeld? Charles Grey. Same. Mm. Same. I mean, I must admit, any Bond villain who tries to escape from the premises dressed up as an old lady yeah. is automatically my favourite Bond he's, villain. He's just so funny. So he's funny. Charming and funny. Yeah. Donald, uh, Donald Pleasance is okay, but he's a bit creepy. Yes. Whereas Charles Grey, like, if he was a Bond villain, you'd... same with Scaramanga. It's like you'd love to have dinner with him yes. before he kills you. Because I think like Telly Savalas is it, he, yes. he's he's good in yeah. the film that he's in, but and and Charles Grey's great in the film that he's mm. in. I mean, I suppose there's an argument to say that Blofeld was never really better than when he was just a hand stroking a cat and a strange voice. But because you know that's it, creepy and interesting. But I mean, I love Charles Grey. I think it's such fun, and you do kind of need that. I I don't really. Christoph Waltz is such a good actor, mm. and he hasn't been given anything to do because no. he's not had any scenes to build up any kind of sort of so when he just turns up and it's just a random guy I, it's, it's a real shame why haven't we not put the legwork in no there's a good scene here though where they're basically saying is it when they're going to show uh, her dad shooting himself and Bond's saying no don't watch that Yes, and then they they there's a nice bit of a very rare in a Craig Bond film a nice yeah. bit of um uh, what's the word? Weakness, because he gets yes. he gets beaten to the ground. Yes, he does. He looks genuinely quite distressed. Yeah, I like that. That is very good. I, I think um, what's odd, you know, that bit. Oh, do you, did you think it was a coincidence that all the women in your life ended up dead? I think, mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. He's a spy. Yeah. Goes around the world on missions. Of course, it is. You know? Also, it's not true because the girl in Quantum of Solace survives at the end. Yeah, so. she goes off. I yeah. like these. It, it's always been me, the author of all your pain. Yeah. That's. The, Again, the, him just listing villains from previous films yeah. feels cheap. Yeah. And yet, I think, again, if we had any kind of sense, if the, again, if, if the early sections of the film had given us a sense of something being taken away from Bond there, i.e. If, if, if he, you know, being framed or losing his job, or if, if there'd been something much bigger there, if it looked like he caused something dreadful and he was being really knocked down as a person, and then later on, Blofeld says... You know that horrible thing that happened in the first hour of the film? I did that. Mm. And also these other things. I think we would buy it. I think we would mm. buy the whole... And also I was involved with, you know, in Casino Royale somehow. Yeah. Because 
it would just be like, you know, all those other films that had horrible big disasters happening, and then like the one at the beginning of this film, it would feel like a proper domino effect. Like we killed the woman you loved, we then killed your boss, we then destroyed the organisation you work for, and now you're here and you're all alone. Yeah. I think we feel that on an emotional, dramatic level. Mm. And we don't get that because nothing's happened to Bond in this film. No. Really. And then he just sits and goes, oh, by the way, can I quickly like sum up some continuity points in Quantum of Solace? No, you can't. Mm. Do something fun. Uh, but it turns out that Blofeld uh, is the child in the picture whose face we can't see. He is. And that his this... dad loved Bond more than him. Yes, at the Blofeld's, you know, his motivation is, oh, for a couple of Christmases, my dad taught you how to ski and I wish he hadn't. Mm. I must admit, no matter what I do when I'm, you know, trying to apply myself to this story as a, as a script editor, I'm thinking, what would I do? There is no way I can make this background stuff work. No. It is the bit I think you just cut. Why does Blofeld, why does Blofeld have a vendetta against Bond? A, because of some something to do with like him being a half-brother and skiing lessons. Mm-hmm. Or is it B, because Bond keeps ruining all his organisation's plans? Yeah. B, go yeah, for that. Definitely. We would understand that. We get intuitively and we could just move forward. You know, that every every story we've had in the last three films has been Bond has ruined one of their plans, but at great personal cost. That's very exciting and interesting. We can really feel that. We really get the sense of Daniel Craig's Bond as the driven man against all the odds, and mm. that's what happens to him. But it being, oh, by the way, actually, we used to, we grew up together, and um, I didn't like you very much. Yeah. It feels so, so petty. It does, it's just shit. And you also get the... Um, uh, my name is Ernst Stavro Blofeld, mm. which is meant to resonate with us, but obviously Bond doesn't know who he is. No. So it doesn't mean anything to him. No. And um, it's, it just reminded me of the scene in Star Trek Into Darkness where he says, I am Khan. Yes. And you're like, yeah, that means something to me, but that doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah, he may as well just say, like, you know, uh, I'm Peter Davison. And <laughs> say, oh, wow. are you? Yeah. From Doctor Who. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, he's very small, cutie practice. Oh, Christ, well. Did, you, well, did you notice? Have you seen the film Tron? Yes. Have you noticed when when Daniel he gets strapped into that chair? Yeah. He looks a bit like the master control program. Yes. <laughs> if, yes. If you indeed. painted him red and yeah. sort of span him around, he'd <laughs> it, look amazing. It's it's weird. This this torture sequence. I mm. do you, what do you like the bit where in Casino Royale when he's getting his knacker smacked yeah. in the cat and nine tails? Yeah. That's that's horrible. And you go, oh blimey. Yeah. And but I think this torture scene is just horrible in a not very nice way in a sort of I. Not that, you know, the Casino Royale scene is nice, but that mm. feels quite a... Oh, God, you're really there with Bond. And mm. this is really horrible, but it's kind of exciting. You want to see what happens next. In this scene, I just sort of sit there wincing a bit, going, oh, this is really... I don't like this. It's just needles being put in his it's head. Just, it, just, it doesn't feel... It doesn't have the um, immediate... Um, you know, when you want a Bond villain standing over someone, making them know they're being tortured. Yeah. He's halfway across the room. Yes, he Sitting is. in a chair, looking at a computer... And and Bond's strapped to a chair, so there's no interaction happening between no, them. No, you're right. He needs to be looming over him. Yeah. Because he can't, for plot reasons, he can't, because Madeleine Swan is there to take the take the watch. But mm. right, Bond's crossed the room. I can't work out either in a scripting or performance if Blofeld's enjoying this or if he's bored by exactly. this. Exactly. It feels it, like he's doing something in a, to a car or something. It's got no... If, if, if you're going to do the storyline of... I have spent four films slowly whittling you down, even at the cost of you know great problems to my own organisation because you've destroyed all my plans, but I have been doing it just to see you being destroyed. Mm. And you think, okay, fine. Well, that's exciting. That should 
build us up to the ultimate, the biggest and most resonant torture scene in a Bond film ever. Yes. And it's so quiet and staid and mm. and, and and it's and if you know you don't you don't know who Blofeld is really at no. this you know it, it's such a strange I mean I'm glad the cat's there big mm. big tick for yeah. the cat being there yeah but, but again no. just the wrong choice yes as every Blofeld scene in this film is the wrong choice yeah it's, it's every the, single one they, they want to have they go oh we've got Blofeld and Spectre back I, mm. I, I, again I saw a review suggesting you know what why didn't they just hold it back why you know we've already got Quantum it doesn't quite yeah. work but fuck it keep playing with it until it does mm. do something with it mm. and then you know maybe we should just play with that until Craig you know eventually leaves and then we can bring Inspector to you know big up the next Bond yeah. or you know just or, or Quantum should be a big part of this film and it's... then Spectre kind of comes in towards the end kind of like in like in the in the books I'm not have you? Are you a big fan of the books? Uh, no, 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 no. No, they're not. They're not very good at all. At all. They're dreadful, mm. dreadful books. But mm. you know the fact that Smirsh is kind of the organisation throughout most of them, and then sort of Spectre takes over towards the end for literally, I think, like one, maybe two books. Yeah. Just have Quantum throughout this, and mm. at the very end, Spectre sort of steps in. Imagine, you know, if the film had been like Quantum's Last Stand, trying to bring down Bond, and at the end, whoever's yeah, our villain, maybe Andrew Scott, whoever, is dying on the floor, and then like somebody walks over, looks down, and it's like Blofeld, and that's the end of yeah, the film. Yeah, And leads into the next one. That's exciting, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Play with what you've got, rather than trying to do it all so, so quickly. It like, feels like know. Venom in Spider-Man 3, doesn't it? It's like, yes. we want to put it, Venom in, but we're not going to do any of the legwork. No. Not, yeah. in, and that's the big problem with this film. It, it, it really wants to try... It, it wants to have its cake and eat it, but mm. the cake in itself doesn't really have any ingredients anyway. And I don't understand if 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 Blofeld is he's torturing Bond with this horrible, really horrible drilling thing. Mm. He clearly thinks he's done Bond irreparable harm. I think there's a line he says, "I'm you know, uh, can he even remember who you are anymore?" Mm. And yet Bond then jumps up, and within sixty seconds he's blown up the base and scarpered. Yeah, and it's again, it, this is in the Guinness Book of Records for the world's the biggest explosion ever captured on film. I think, and is it's it? so uninteresting. <laughs> That's one thing I said watching is the I read that this had a budget of about 250 to 300 million dollars, like the most mm. expensive films ever made up to that point, mm. maybe still. I don't feel, I mean, yes, it's a beautiful looking film, but I don't feel that I'm seeing all the money up there on the screen. No, not it, at all. It, it doesn't look like a film that's more expensive than Casino Royale, for instance. No. Casino Royale apparently was made on half the budget. Mm. Now, maybe that's because you know, every, you know, Daniel Craig's fee is now much higher, I don't know, but. It does look beautiful, but most of the beauty of this film is in establishing shots. Mm. When it comes to the action, it's either too slow or mm. you don't quite feel it. Maybe it's because, like, this is just a location we've only been in for ten minutes. Yeah. And then suddenly it explodes. But as you say, they, they blow up the facility. They walk out. He literally just points a gun and shoots everybody who comes out of a building. Yeah. And then they go. And then they race to London. And then, again, we've got some shit writing here because Bond meets up with um, M... And Q and Money mm. Penny, yeah, in uh, the Hildebrand rarity, which is quite a nice little. That's nice. Model. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they basically say, right, we're going to go and get C. We think C's the bad guy because he knows yeah. Blofeld told him that C's the bad guy. Yeah. And then they leave the room, and then Madeline goes, "Oh, I can't come with you. I don't. I don't want to be involved in this." Yeah. Couldn't you have had that conversation before you came all the way to London? You could. I would also imagine that Bond might say, "Right, well, we need to get someone to look after you. Mm. I'm not going to just send you walking home yeah. or wherever you're walking. Where are you even walking to?" Exactly, and she's immediately kidnapped. Immediately, yeah. I don't quite. Yeah, 
it's interesting where you know, uh, Madeline's saying goodbye to, to Bond. Uh, I don't feel that the, they really want this relationship to matter. Mm. But... It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't. You know, Vesper Lind, you, you, it, it was a beautiful job in Casino Royale. You mm. genuinely get it. You feel it at the end. I think Casino Royale is far too long. But Me I too. Think it, well, yeah. I, I have this sort of... I do Third wonder, act problems again. I do wonder if... Uh, maybe someone's already edited it on YouTube or something. I wonder what Quantum of Solace would be like if you had all the stuff in Venice from Casino Royale at the beginning of Quantum of Solace. Oh, yeah, that's instead. a good idea. Yeah. So Con- Casino Royale can be a slightly more self-contained sort of lots of action 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 sort of re-narrowing down to the to the the psychological trauma and all that of, of the of the casino game and then the film kind of ends after that mm. and then you think oh lovely and then we can actually do what on a Matthew secret service and diamonds are forever couldn't quite do which was a genuine film about bond trying to get vengeance for a woman he loved being killed if quantum of stars had begun with that that would really power you through maybe the rest of the film i don't i don't know also i still would like someone to explain to me the reasoning behind making Casino Royale a reboot and why not just have it a, a normal mission for Bond? Yes. Because then you're not bogged down in this uh, continuity issues. and Because it, it, it's not as if like it's a it's a remake of the film. It's not that they're, they're remaking the Peter Sellers one. No. You know, it, it could just be, and here's Bond doing something else. You know, mm. finally Bond at long last has met, you know, another, you know, another woman to replace Tracy. Yeah, very much. Yeah. And, we could, you know, for, for long-standing Bond fans, they go, oh, I see. And for those who aren't, it's it's still an exciting romantic story. And Casino Royale is. And also, you've this... got that added edge that, you know, every woman I fall in love with is murdered. Yeah. Which would then we... resonate in this. Very much. Yeah. I think it, it's it's the problem of a series which is, you know, obviously to some extent they'll be making up as they go along, but mm. don't draw attention to it. Don't pretend it's all been a big sort of, oh, we've been working it out secretly. Actually. Yeah. D- don't. And the Madeleine Swan stuff here doesn't quite... And it's a shame she's giving such a good performance mm. in this film. It's just there aren't enough scenes. The scenes they've got aren't quite sharply enough written. I'm certainly not feeling there must have been so many script rewrites as they went. I'm not feeling it. No, um, but M races to confront um, C. He does um, again. He doesn't seem to have any agents with him. He's just got no, just his, on his own. His secretary and assistants on the way, and then mm-hmm. they disappear. Uh, uh, Bond gets kidnapped. But don't worry, we don't want to do anything exciting there because Andrew Scott's on his laptop. Oh yeah, sorry, because uh, M does bring Q with him. Yes. To shut down Nine Eyes before I, it goes live. There, there is. It's very difficult <sighs> to make waiting for a network to go online visually mm. exciting. Yeah. Um, I think Andrew Scott, and I don't know how he feels about the dialogue in this, but saying things like "Take a look at the world," mm. long pause, chaos. Mm. Like, what are you? For the sake of democracy, whatever the hell that means, mm. this is dreadful. Also, we got the line here, and he says, M stands for moron. Yeah, it's astonishing. And then M says, well, C stands no. for... I know what C stands for. Careless. Yeah, that's that's become one of the lines me and my uh, my partner and her, her brother, we, we, when we saw this last, the, the line, now we know what C stands for, has become a very regular running gag. Mm. We, all of us, would prefer it if they'd actually just gone through it. And it's just Ray Fiennes going, now we know what C stands for. Cunt. That's a good Ray Fiennes. <laughs> Were you channeling I mean, Le Rossiter? I, I, uh, oh, I love that sketch. Oh, we know what C stands for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing Tyson's on because, oh, they've got another album out. <laughs> oh, thank you, too, man. I love that. Yes, Hitler. Yes, Hitler. Yes, Hitler. Oh, man, God. Um, I'm going to see Titus Andronicus. Oh, really? Uh, uh. Got some new LP out, have they? Um, 
It's Shakespeare. Oh, oh yes, of course. Oh, yes, of course, Shakespeare. Yes. Hello. Ah, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. No, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. No, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. Yes, I know the list, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. Yes, Herr Hitler. Yes, of course, Herr Hitler. No, not at all, Herr Hitler. And you, Herr Hitler. Hal Hitler. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Q shuts down Nine Eyes. Um, yeah, brilliant. That's system done. eradicated, it says. Yes, um, Andrew Scott and Ray finds having a, a little fight and then getting punched down a glass Yeah, he stairwell. falls to his death. I, I like. I hope that M does. M actually have any concrete proof that Andrew Scott is? <laughs> I always think this because, I mean, he is in charge of the MI6, so he can just yeah. do anything he wants in terms of manufacturing yeah. evidence. But yeah, if you turned up, you'd be like, "Hang on, didn't he have a bit of a grudge against that fella?" Yes, <laughs> and now he's murdered him. <laughs> did, did, did M after losing his job track down the man who did it and punt him down a fucking glass Hang on, he also turned off the Nine Eyes programme as well. (laughs) Jesus Christ, he's out of his fucking tree. It's just, yeah, I I just think the police should show up and just arrest him Mm. straight away. Like, toward the end, I think M meets some police on the bridge and then he says, you know, hello, it's M here. And they go, oh, yeah, all right. Arrest him straight away. Throw him in a slammer. Yeah, but meanwhile, Bond is taken to Uh, the old MI6 building uh, to see... um, Blofeld's wonderful sixth form art project. Yes, I, I really want to see a cut of the film where Blofeld has found the time to fill the MI6 building with references to old films. Brilliant Gordon... if he was like, bring me Tony Hart. <laughs> they, all, they all look like they've been printed on like a work printer mm. ten minutes before Bond's shown up. I, I want, want to see him there. I want Neil Buchanan in the back of a transit. Yeah, quickly, quick, come on. We're nearly there. He'll be there any minute. Put them up. I... Javier Bardem, that's not Javier Bardem, do it again. Look, this would be a lot quicker if you didn't keep doing that over-the-head camera shot for Art Attack. (laughs) Great. How's the head getting on? (laughs) Trying to draw Judy Dench. (laughs) Oh, I've tried. Bang. So he's brought to um, Blofeld, who's now sporting a scar, because that's really important. He's got a scar. Yeah. It's essential that Blofeld's got a scar. Not not bald, of course. No. He's got a scar. He's standing behind bulletproof glass. Yeah. How long has he been standing there? Ages. It looks like Silence of the Lambs. I like it's the bit where, where he's saying, when he, he, draw, he sort of blows on the glass and he draws a heart. I really want yeah. to just draw a cock and balls. Brilliant. And, and just saunter off. Better film. Um, um, this, this bit where we're doing, the, the, where it's, it's kind of like, it's the dark night, this, isn't it, mm-hmm. really? Sort of running around buildings trying to find, am I in the right one? Where am I? Yeah, while he goes on? off in a helicopter and the building's about to explode. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, Bonds, he gets to the top, he finds Swan, and you think, Hinks is meant to be here. Why isn't Hinks here? To make this an exciting kind yes, of. Yes, yeah. But, you know, we're running eight time, the bomb's about to explode, I've got to rescue this person, mm. and oh my God, here's the henchman, and then we have a big old fight, and then eventually, you know, Bond's dangling from the top of the building and manages to knock the henchman over, maybe into a helicopter, who knows? But that that's rather than just he turns up, finds her, releases her, and they and they go off. They go off on a boat and then Bond shoots down the helicopter. The helicopter crashes on Westminster okay. Bridge. Blofeld crawls out, which again crawls I think out. is such a stupid decision. Yeah. Your main villain is literally crawling along the floor. Yeah. Looking about as menacing as a 17-year-old dog. Yes. 
And Bond walks along and basically says, well, I'm not going to shoot you. Yeah. I don't want to give you the satisfaction, actually. And, uh, and then he yeah. has this moment where he's got, um, again, a nice direction, I think. You've got one side of the bridge is M. Yeah. And the other side of the bridge is Madeline. Yeah. So he's got that choice to make. Do you want to carry on being an MI6 or do you want to yes. give up and follow your heart? Yeah. And so he goes off with Madeline. And of course, what we should have is he goes up to Madeline. 009 swoops in, knocks her off into the Thames. He goes, that'll teach you for stealing my fucking car. Yeah, like a really big punch just right at the end. <laughs> That's what we want. Yeah. I don't get, why is Bond, I mean, Bond doesn't want to kill Blofeld. Was he thinking of that when he was shooting down a helicopter mm. with a handgun? Um, I don't know. Presumably he meant that plane to, you know, that helicopter to crash and explode. So he's bloody lucky that Blofeld hasn't died if that's what he wanted. I don't, I, what I don't get there is, shouldn't we have, rather than shooting down with a handgun, this is where mm. you think we needed to have, there should have been a gadget. Yeah. There should have been a gadget we had earlier on that, that maybe he planted on Blofeld or managed mm. to, or remembered it was up there or something, and then he can detonate it with something, which it just, you know, something which just feels a bit more, you know, I suppose, you know, clever in that Bond's, Bond way, flying by the seat of his pants, but kind of trying to play a few steps ahead. Blofeld's, you know, Bond is there going, oh, for fuck's sake, he's flying away, there's nothing I can do. Oh, fuck, I can. I just about remembered that uh, there's a bomb up there. So I don't want Blofeld being arrested. I don't. I'm sorry. No. I'd rather that they just opened the helicopter and he'd gone. And we don't explain how he's gone. He's just gone. That's what Blofeld does, always. Yeah. He gets away. We never see Blofeld die because they can, they can use him another time. Well, what if they open up the helicopter and they go, he's gone. And the camera pulls down and you see him just legging it mm. down the bridge <laughs> on the other side. I mean, anything, anything, but just having him crawling along a bridge and then being arrested is just shit. Yes, it, it's not... It's more prime suspect than Bond. Yeah, for, for supposedly, you know, the biggest criminal genius in mm. the world, it isn't quite... I, I, I can see what they're trying to trying to go for, but no, you're right. It, it doesn't feel... It, it, it just doesn't feel, I suppose, operatic enough. And, you know, Bond is essentially a melodrama on yeah. like you know, high octane. It, it should feel big. It should feel massive. And also this film is like two and a bit hours long and the Bond it's, theme is used four times. That's it. That is fairly inexcusable. Mm. I think we do need, I mean, A, the film, there has no business being more than two hours anyway. I mean, the best thing you could do is to cut it down to about two hours. I mean, really, you should rewrite it, but yeah. it, it does feel, you know, and given the, 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 the plan, which seems to mainly involve surveillance, you think this feels like it's Elliot Carver, not Blofeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like, and if Jonathan Price were in this, I mean, I would, you know, I'd pay anything to have Jonathan Price come back to be the villain in practically every Bond film because I absolutely adore him in Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like that kind of level of villain, like a somewhat petty villain who needs to be taken down, rather than Blofeld. If you're going to bring back Blofeld, mm. you should make him big. Absolutely. Yeah. Like he was, he was, you know, stealing spaceships and things like that, and now he's like trying to, now he's financing a kind of civil servant project. Oh, God, it's so annoying. But then um, Q goes to his lab, and yeah. Bond's taken the old Aston Martin. He has. And this is clearly, I don't care what anyone says, this was clearly as it was his last contracted film. Yeah. This was clearly yeah. supposed to be bye bye to Daniel Craig, wasn't it? Because Must be. he gets in the car with Madeline, they look at each other and they drive off in the Aston Martin, basically over the hill towards the sunset. That's it. Yeah. It is. So, it and then you watch the trailer to the new one, and one of the first lines is, everybody has their secrets. Just, oh, oh no, no. No, they don't. No. Some people are transparent. Yeah. They've got nothing. It, it feels like a slightly odd scene at the end that so it feels in mm. a way that after two and a half hours the film has ended too quickly yeah and then we've got this slightly odd tag scene you know it fades to black 
yeah. fade up again for about 90 seconds of a chat with Q and getting in the car and you drive off. Yeah. If, if you're going to do the sort of, he, I don't know, it, 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 for, for a film that's gone on for far too long and you kind of think, oh, I hope it's a bloody end now, it's come too quickly. Yeah. It just, it, right, it's that third act problem of all the Daniel Craig films have. Craig films have never ended either, the traditional Bond way, you know, with just like the aftermath of the mission being that's in it. a boat with a lady and it just saying the end. If, it, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to do this, you, you you kind of need a scene in, you know, in, in M's office where it's a, a bit of a debrief of M, hmm. uh, you know, and Bond saying his intentions of you know, you know, I'm I'm going, or he puts his gun down, hmm. walks off, walks past Money Penny, gives her a wink, goes downstairs, sees Q, takes the car, goes. Up. You need a real sense of that kind of yes. if you're going to do this. Yeah, let's have a bit of. You know, let's, let's tell us what's happened at the end. You know, like in all the older films, when like Bond, he might be somewhere else, but we cut back and we see M and Q going. Well, you know, Max Zorin's been sorted out, I suppose, and mm. we've cleared up this, and that person's been sorted out. Uh, well, I, I like that. I really like that kind of this sort of sweeping aside all the all the little pieces afterwards. It makes you feel like the it makes you feel that there's been a mission. To be honest, I don't know what the mission in this film was. No, no, I don't. Um, and then and then I suppose we and then we have the Bond music. I think probably yeah. at the end, yeah. which is nice, and then Skyfall uh, perspective has ended. Yeah, there we go. Then we did it. We did get through. I again, I, I maintain that it's not. There are so many things in the film that's good. It's had enough money spent on it for God's sake. It's got a mm. great cast. Not all of them used properly. It's no. got a great cast. Great individual sequences. Something to be sped up. Something to be rescored. Something needs to be focused. Don't have. A conversation about exposition in the middle of a car chase. No. Concentrate in your car chase. Yeah. The biggest one for me is you've got all these strange disparate elements. If you want to do a film which is ultimately about surveillance, make that a core thing that motivates Bond in some way. And the best way for me is, is still he, he gets he gets framed or a trap is laid for him and he causes some great disaster which is all filmed or re-edited to make it look like he's caused it. And that happens and it brings his organisation down. And he's on the run to try and find out who did it. It's Blofeld who says, I've been doing this all the Have him investigate Madeline Swan very early on so we can get Madeline in early and get that really... There's so much there to play with. It's all there for the taking. It's so frustrating because yes. it could be so good. I think I genuinely think that this is... I think it's the one of the biggest missed opportunities aside from maybe up to point, potentially like Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, I love Diamonds Are Forever, but you are kind of wanting a sort of Bond on revenge film yes. after service. This to me, beyond that, is the other biggest missed opportunity in the Bond franchise. I think this could have been a fantastic film, and the ingredients are all there, mm. and yet it doesn't know what to do with them, mm, and, it, and it thinks that hiring Andrew Scott and Christoph Waltz will paper over the cracks. And they go, no, those are great actors. Give them, give them great lines, great motivation. Give them a reason to come to work in the morning, not just to rehash performances and old programs. <sighs> Well, right, it's kind of, we've come up the time where I'm going to ask you some questions. Gosh, of course, yes. Which I helpfully didn't send you before. You didn't, so I'm going to try and uh, do it on, on my, think of my toes. So here's David K. Barnes, not acting, but <laughs> reacting yes. to my questions. So here we go. So, David, what's your favourite Bond film? Favourite Bond film is, I think it's, it's probably not the first one I watched, but the first one that made me a fan hmm. of the Bond franchise, which is The Living Daylights. Okay. I, I'd seen a few Conneries and Mauds growing up, but I'd never really gone for Bond because, for whatever reason, yeah, um, I think I didn't really understand. I, I found the plots confusing. I didn't really like Bond as a character. I was, I was always a massive Doctor Who fan, and so I liked a hero who supposedly uses his you know, charm and humour and, and and wits rather than shooting people. But I, the Living Daylights, 
especially, I, I really got into Dalton as Bond, and I thought that's a really interesting take on the character. I'm so there for you. And all the, you know, the music, mm. uh, the stunts, the stuff in the plane, you know, him in the plane while all the Mujahideen are shooting each other, things exploding, and then he's falling off the back of the plane and fighting with net cross. That is some of the most exciting stuff I've ever seen in a film. Mm. And that really grabbed me. And from that point on, I was a Bond fan. I think I was probably 17, 18 when I watched that on a DVD. And I loved it. I still think... Up, up there is... I mean, Tomorrow Never Dies and Diamonds Are Forever, I will also have to put in a word because I think they are unfairly maligned and I love them. <laughs> I think they are such fun. And what's your least favourite? Uh, part of me is tempted to say Spectre to a point. It is uh, a very long and sadly dull film mm. whereas quantum of solace is a very short and very dull film mm. i might though go it's a very obvious choice but i might go for die another day purely because i think though it's clearly not a good film i think it tricks you i think in my memory like when i sat down to watch specter i i knew going in this is going to be quite a dull film but let's look for the good in it and etc die another day i always think to myself oh it's a lot of fun isn't it it's a comic book romp and i sit down to watch it thinking it's going to be so bad it's good and a bit of a and then it's actually grinding me dull yeah and so i i think i'll say die another day because it tricks you You go in expecting a better class of stupid film than you get okay can you give me your best made-up bond film title um uh looking at the the post may come tomorrow the post may come tomorrow okay yeah, that's good. And Bond is full of silly lady names such as Holly Goodhead, Plenty O'Toole, and Penelope Smallbone. Yeah. Can you give me your uh, best Bond lady names? Um, uh, uh, arousing Betty. Arousing Betty's very good. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you are Q. What gadgets would you give Bond in this film if you had your way? In, in, in Spectre. Inspector. What would yeah. I give him? Uh, I give him. I give him. I give him a jar of Marmite. Right. With a little mouse trap in it, right? Okay, so and for a bit of suspense, you never know if the villain loves it or hates it, and if he's going to put his fingers in to get it, and whether he's then going to get caught in the trap. A bit of suspense in that. Could be how they get yeah. away at the end, isn't it? Yeah, that's oh. it. Yeah, he's got. He's up there, and he goes, God, and he's, and he's sitting there, goes, "We've got one hope. If Blofeld decides he wants a marmite <laughs> on his toast right now, mm. and he's sitting, he goes, you know, I, I, I got this marmite. Maybe I should." And he just put. It, Puts his hands in, he goes, oh, smacks into a into a lever. The helicopter tips over, crashes into the bridge. Mm. I've, I've, I mean, they can have that for free. They can do that in the next film if they want. That's perfect. And finally, yeah. who would you have as James Bond next? Oh, Christ. Um, I mean, my, my favourite Bond remains Timothy Dalton. Uh-huh. And I think I'd have some, would I want somebody more like that? Hmm. I honestly don't know. Um short of any actors who actually might do a genuinely good job with it hmm. i'd probably say you know what i want to see old bond and i'd like richard wilson all right i'd, so, I'd watch that i mean not sure if anyone else would but i will i'd watch that definitely because he could pick up a dog and say yeah. two two four one but it's actually a phone it's yeah a, gadget. a cantankerous bond <clears throat> who keeps getting involved in, in silly scrapes that he can't see coming that's yeah. what i want to see yeah and instead of blowfeld his villain could be mrs warboys <laughs> <laughs> I'm the author of your pain. I bloody knew it. I want to see that. <laughs> well, David, <laughs> David, thank you so much for. It's all right. Thank you. I, I, I only wish I could, I could have been a, even sunny about Spectre. I was looking for the good points in it. I really 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's still, it's still a Bond film. I'd still rather watch this than a lot of other sort of action filler films. It's still fun. It just, oh, it doesn't quite hit the mark. But no. you know what? There are, there are other films in the franchise you can turn to instead. And I'm going to watch Diamonds Are Forever next. So, Brilliant. Well, David, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been lovely. Thank you. It has. Much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, bye. If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Concessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hyten and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Concessions. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.